Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to uh, a special episode of Beyond the Pitch. I'm your host, as always, Phil Brad, joined with my fantastic regular co-host here, Carl McGuigan, on this beautiful Tuesday morning here in LA, Tuesday afternoon in your or uh, time in your time zone. Calm. Doesn't matter where you are. We're still flying after yesterday. Unbelievable. What a, what a time to be alive, mate. Buzzing, absolutely buzzing. It's I reckon this will be the best United you know, podcast we do. You know, mm-hmm. we're not even going to get down each other's throats once. No reason to. Good. No reason to. You know, there's so many things that made me happy yesterday. <clears throat> um, and one of the things when you send a new player is they bring you hope that you're going to get something different that you don't have. They're going to bring something you don't have. And I'm going to pay special mention to Lissandra Martinez here because we've seen players before. They come in, they have an impact, what have you. This was the first time I've seen a United player come in and have that type of impact where it wasn't just about how much quality he has. It was all the intangibles. It was the fact that he wanted to win. You felt like... Lissandra Martinez was one of you on the pitch. When I watched United versus against Liverpool last season, one of my biggest issues was the complete surrender of United players. Like, look, lose, fine. Lose, but you can't not show up. You have to bring certain attributes that are intrinsic to you that are not brought by a coach. That's about pride. That's about self-respect. It's about the will to win. It's about respecting you as a human being, no matter what your issue is with the club, no matter what your issue is with other people. First of all, you respect you, and you go out there and you fight. And we saw Alessandro Martinez do something that we've been screaming for United players to do. So did you care as much as we do? And started from the first whistle where he banged Salah on the shoulder and I was like ecstatic because I'm like, I felt like someone was standing up for the club for once. Stand up and fight. Do and you know what? Just I, to finish that, one point on it, mate. Yeah. That win doesn't happen if Harry Maguire starts the game. With you on that, and see, to be honest, like I, I've, you know, we, we talk before and after this. I play devil's advocate on this pod all the time, and it's to give different people's opinions across. Sure. Last week, I half did agree, to be honest, with Carragher, and Carragher has to eat his words. Lissandro Martinez was unbelievable from start to finish. Not only that, if we're thinking about what he offered us, all the stats the week before at Brentford and Brighton told you that Lissandro Martinez dominated, like Ten Hag said last night in the Sky interview. Lissandro Martinez was unbelievable. Not only him, Malassia as well, because I think it's important Mm -hmm. to highlight Malassia last night because he was also just as good as Martinez. And those two, compared to what Maguire and Shaw have been offering, it's night and day. It's fresh. It's something different. They've both just... like, And that's what we need. And we spoke about it before at the start of the season where we said, like, players need to stand up, be counted, show that they're playing for the shirt. Both of them two are fresh in and they showed so much will to win last night. It was unbelievable. For us as fans watching that, those are the type of players that you associate yourselves with. That's why they will both become fan favourites, not just because of last night, but because of what they're going to offer going forward. As well, you know, I don't, I'm don't. i not putting a dampener on it, but we can't forget the whole reason of last night and it, it, the mission to get the Glazers out. Yeah, it's still a thing. But it, we can't really... But it's, it can't be paper over the cracks because at the end of the day, that's what the Glazers want. This whole Casemiro thing, everything else, the Glazers mm-hmm. want that. And we can't let that happen. No, we'll definitely get into that and uh, credit the 1958 and a number of other fans who joined in peacefully last night and uh, showed, made their voices heard in an impeccable way. The numbers were fantastic. Uh, scenes were very encouraging and uh, have nothing but respect for the people of that organisation. 
and the other United fans that joined in that participated in that protest, we certainly will get that and give that uh, proper coverage. Um, one of the things that I felt against Liverpool was I felt for the very first time there was a clear cause and effect from what happens on the training ground to what happens on the pitch. Because Tenag was criticised by supposed sports scientists and everything for allegedly, but for bringing in these players and making them run because of the heat and everything else. And you have people saying, well, how does that make them better players? It's not about making them better players. First of all, you're not going to turn them into, you know, Ballon d'Or winners, no matter what you do in the training ground. This is about centimetres. This is about all the attributes that goes into making an athlete successful. That includes fitness, attitude, all those things matter. That includes consequences for failure. That Because in senior fans, we've been screaming for this. Where is the consequences for failure? Ken Hogg deserves enormous credit to turn around after three games to do what should have been done a year ago. Now, we don't need to sit here and talk bad about Harry Maguire. We'll just let the game do the talking for itself. We'll just let that match do the talking for itself. And ask yourself, do you want to see Harry Maguire brought back into this team for the Sandra Martinez? Not only did he drop his captain, he dropped the most expensive defender at the club that has been surviving off that for over a year, right? Um, and I also feel with Firmino, who is a false nine, essentially, Maguire's really poor positionally. Gets dragged out of defence really, really easy. And you either don't have a disciplined defensive midfielder that sits properly in front of the defence, which is what Casemiro will be so important. Um, I just felt that as well with Malasia, who I thought was magnificent against Salah. We never have gotten that from Shaw and Maguire. And I must also emphasise how free the United's front three looked, not just in terms of their expression, but in terms of their, 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 their confidence, their body language, their importance. They didn't feel overshadowed. They felt, and, and to me it was telling that Rashford scored a lovely goal, especially when he's had no confidence. I just felt the changes that Ten Hag made, and he also made them to bring in his own signings, were a fundamental part of the reason why he needed one last night. There's, there's so many positives to take out of it, but the one thing that I'll say is that the biggest positive is is that the the positional... So, for example, Harry Maguire now has a rocket up his arse. Shaw has a rocket up his arse. Because you know what? Martinez and Malasia are both starting every week now. That's it. Unless unless we, we change to a back three in which Maguire somehow gets himself back into it. I was laughing at that myself. I didn't want yeah, to bring it up. Run, run bars be better myself. He does too. But see, see to be honest, with, with Maguire and Shaw, now it's up to them to get themselves back into the team. You have to respect that from Ten Hag, but at the end of the day, he really didn't have a decision to make, truly, because Maguire's been so poor, Shaw's been poor, but it just shows you that when we make these decisions, and we'll get on to Ronaldo in a moment, because obviously that's a topic that, that we've both disagreed on previously, but mm-hmm. last night without Ronaldo was probably the best thing that could have happened. But I, I agree with Ten Hag that you couldn't have played Ronaldo last night because he doesn't offer you what that front three offered last night in terms of the press. And obviously it was important, um, especially whenever whenever we've only got 30% possession. Ronaldo isn't mm-hmm. going to be effective in that type of game. You know, the action stats, as Mourinho once said, you take the ball, we'll take the points. You know, I, I personally don't care about that. Um, yeah. Needed needed dominated possession against uh, Brentford and had more shots on goal than Brentford. Um, so, um, you know, um, stat padding. I'll tell you what, if I was a Liverpool fan, I would 
ask why Virgil van Dijk, you know, um, you know, he, he done his best high Maguire. Uh, How I, poor I, was Van Dijk? How yeah, poor? It like, wasn't just he was poor. He looked completely like disinterested. Milner, Milner's trying to shake him, and he's he's just not there. I don't know. I, again, I think he's he's overrated. Van Dijk, he's a good defender to be honest with you, but he, he's overrated. And a lot of my mates probably watching this in the group chat. We've had a lot of. Uh, chat about that over the last couple of days but um yeah sh- shout out breezy the liverpool fan he, he mm. loves van dijk but uh nah van dijk nah not for me. I mean, to be fair if you judge him up to towards the end of last season you know he he's been one of the best defenders in the world that's on un- irrefutable brilliant brilliant player but he just he looked dis- disinterested last night and i thought andy robertson this is not a liverpool podcast but i thought it was quite interesting that he said look this guy actually goes back to last season we're, we're not starting games well. Let's just think that's the seventh game they've fallen behind in. Um, you know, they did it against Wolves last season. Of course, we saw it you know, in Champions League final and everything. And you're going, was there a bigger problem there? Because I, if I was a Liverpool fan, I wouldn't be worried, but I'd be concerned. And it's not my concern. Um, I thought it was quite interesting to see some of their fans going after the owners this morning whenever um, they were going after the United fans yeah. doing the same last week. But it, it's it's funny as well. Like I know it's not a Liverpool pod, but we need to touch on it. That Liverpool trio in midfield is shocking. Absolutely shocking. They got overran. Like we, We've been very critical of McTominay as United fans. McTominay was great last night. He got in around mm. it. He was effective in, in what he had to do. I mean, going forward, obviously, with the signing of Casemiro, we're going to touch on that as well. But who is going to be the midfield three? Because it, it does look like it's going to be a three going forward. Who's going to be the midfield three? It's good to see that we'll have this competition there. Look, I think um, Casemiro is a massive upgrade on what you need to have. They need a discipline to hold the midfielder, and that's what he gives them. That's one of the reasons why I think Ferran is so happy that, you know, obviously, their teammates as well. Um, they still need, a, to me, a ball-playing midfielder. Um, and we'll get into all that in a bit. So... I think if United can add a, a genuine top-class ball-playing midfielder, there's a reason to be extremely optimistic. I think we got some answers to questions last night. First of all, the centre-back, we know, we now know where her two best centre-back pairs are in the, without a doubt, in, in the team, without a doubt. And you always ask, does, does a manager know his best 11? I think last night, he knew his best 8 or 9. And I think... That even if you didn't have the problems you have with Ronaldo wanting to leave, you still have to do what you did last night because once he came out and asked for that transfer, Ten Hag had the ability to do this without any concern. Okay, you you can't get a transfer early. This is the best you, you this is the best available to you, and we're going to pick and choose your games. This has to happen, whether he stays or not. And against, I thought it was very telling that when Ten Hag was asked after the game about why he made those changes or before the game, I thought it was really telling that he talked about the need to press Liverpool high and quick against the centre-backs to not let them play from the back, which tells you about Ronaldo's negative drawbacks. We know there's certain, you know, to accommodate him, you have to sacrifice certain things. Um, Also talked about the mobility in centre-back with Maguire and the difference you get with Varane. So I thought it was very, very telling. Those are those, if if I was Varane, or if I was Maguire and Ronaldo, I'd be concerned that you're getting dropped for the biggest game of the season if you need it because they don't trust your ability to play in those games. Um, it needed to happen. We all know that. Same with Luke Shaw. you know. But what I would say on, as a positive to them, we've always got the best out of Luke Shaw when there's been serious, legitimate competition. 
right? Now, Malasi had put in a performance that um, the, the tellers couldn't have put in. Right, the energy in his game, the quickness, the speed, you know, his defending, everything impressed me. He impressed me going forward. He impressed me one-on-one -on -one defending. He wasn't rushed, didn't get caught. Um, and, 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 he was, and, and, I, and I felt like they were playing for their manager, which is something we've been missing for so long. Yeah, I mean, as well, I just want to say, Dallow had an unbelievable game. I've been very critical of him on this podcast. Um, I think I think he actually listens to this, to be fair, deal with Dallow. But to be honest, Dallow has been... Very, very. He's not been consistent. He's not. He's not been good enough to be a Manchester United player in previous weeks. Last night he stepped up. I still think we've got an issue there at right back because mm -hmm. I don't think either him or Wan Bissaka are good enough for us. I don't think they suit into this system well enough either. And I think that that needs that needs to be addressed before the end of the window. So if we can get a right back in, it'd be great. I'm not confident in Dallow until the end of the season. I'm not even confident in him until January, if I'm honest. That that mm -hmm. other three picks itself now, to be honest. For Varane, definitely. Martinez, definitely. And Malasia has to start ahead of Shaw. Obviously, this is all based on, on one game last night and probably the biggest game of our season in any event, really. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. You know, We want to see this on a consistent basis. We want to see it every week. But at the moment, those three pick themselves. The right back, I'm not too sure about. And then when, when you're moving, obviously, in, in the midfield and what we'll have, we've now got options with Casemiro in there, yeah. which is something that we didn't have before whenever we were playing McFred every every week. So it's definitely a positive. And what's to say we can't go get Dion? Because it's, it looks as if it's still, we'll touch on that later whenever we do mm. the questions, but it looks as if it's still an option. Well, the thing about it is, <clears throat> we've been here before as United fans. United beat City and then lost to Sheffield United right, immediately after. So we've all been here before. But I like the commentary after the match with Ten Hag. He was insistent this is one game this must be brought to every game and this is part of what's so frustrating about watching united is you know that's in them you know that if they all play to their capabilities play to their strengths that's in them but they won that game last night because they wanted it more than liverpool they wanted to win that game more when, when was the last time we saw a united team want it more than the opposition but that does that come from the coaching yes I completely agree. Over the last nine days it has to I, I, and, and I think that this is one of the first times where you never put in an object performance before. You know, the promised responses. We've had all these social media policies. We take a hard look at ourselves and then go and do exactly the same thing. This is the first time I felt there was a clear correlation between what's happening on training pitch and what's happening on the pitch on a Saturday, where there was direct consequences, where there was the fear of being dragged in again tomorrow to do exactly the same thing as what happened against Brentford. But see, if I'm honest, <clears throat> if I'm honest, and this is maybe a bit critical of me and people might jump on me for it, but I think what you've just touched on is because Maguire sends panic throughout the team, as in he's at the heart of our defence mm. and he's not performing to the level he should be and there's panic sets throughout the team and then everyone else feeds off that, whereas last night it was calm, it was cool, calm, collected in, in the back. Veron and Martinez sweeped up everything. They were both calm on the ball. And that spread throughout the team, and we didn't see mm. any panic. And again, it might be a Ronaldo thing as well that Ronaldo's not on the team. Maybe that helps. Well, I definitely feel that when you're playing with two, first of all, player set examples. When you've got this Argentine, who you know, the last time we sent a diminutive Argentine, he couldn't make toast. Now we've got one that is dominating games of football. Then the way that we want to see a football player dominate games of football. This is when you go on that field as a Manchester United player 
And we've said this before. You can forgive an awful lot. You can forgive not being good enough. You can forgive bad games. You can forgive everything. But what you can't forgive is professionals not being professional. And what you can't forgive is players not going on that field and feeling what a fan feels, right? I, if you lose, we'll accept that. But what we're not going to accept is players down in tools. You have multi-million dollar homes or parent homes. You have the most beautiful women. You have the most beautiful cars. You play in the most beautiful stadiums. You have everything. Go play a game of football on a Saturday and give everything for 90 minutes. We're not asking much. And we got that last night. And that was what one of the reasons why it made me so happy is because that game had everything we've been missing. The frustration, right? When you need it, went 2-0 up there. Complete a release of emotion that felt like a year of pent-up frustration. It was like, I've been, this is like an oasis in the desert. I've been dying to see this for so long, embody that spirit. And you know what? I'll get on this in a minute afterwards because some of the commentary about our Ten Hag has a little whiff of, you know, Emery about it, which I don't like. It's despicable and it's perpetuated by people who like to claim they're mental health champions. And you know what? They're very sensitive when it comes to these, this type of demeaning commentary about other athletes. But certainly it seems like because Eric Ten Hag sets a certain description, he, he, he's for a game. Um, men are not for a game. I'm sorry. I think, I think it's very important to touch on this point as well because we're very quick to throw the toys out of the pram as United fans. And last week, I feel like you did a bit in terms of your comments on, on, possibly, on possibly getting relegated. So I was sitting smug last night going to text and I said, nah, I'll wait until the podcast for it. Because it's very quick. It's very quick for us to, to hammer Ten Hag. It's very quick for us to hammer these players. This is a totally different system. Ten Hag is setting up something completely different to what we're used to. The running press wasn't like this. Ten Hag wants these players to run, 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 and not stop. And I feel like last week we got a bit ahead of ourselves because we could beat by Brentford and Brighton. Mm. And, you know, shouts of relegation is, is on the horizon. Is was, it, was a bit far off the mark, in my opinion. And it showed last night because Rome wasn't built in the night. And I think, you know, Ten Hag's obviously got the cement himself on this squad. He still hasn't got all the signings that he wants. He's not even close to where he wants to be. And we can put in a performance like that last night, which shows that we have improved from last year. And I know you, you were going off the basis of the 10 games last season. You can't judge 20 on that. Games. 20 games. You can't judge on that because it's not fair. I think, I think <clears> to be honest, Ten Hag needs time. We, we can judge Ten Hag after 15 games. I think that's a fair comment. After 15 games of the season, let's judge Ten Hag. Let's not judge him on last year's performance under a different manager, which is I wasn't fair, judging I him. No, wasn't you're judging, judging the players, him. but it's his Correct. regime now. So you are judging him because it's but, his regime But they've now. had regime changes before. There was a regime change under Solskjaer. There was a regime change. He got sacked. There was a regime change under Mourinho. There was a regime change under, under Ranić. And I, I think it's a... But you can only you can only make an opinion based on the evidence that you have. Mm-hmm. And after twenty games, you know they were sick and second bottom. By the way, I would say this, right? As unlikely as that performance was last night, it's highly probable you know we'll go out and put a stinker in this weekend. Absolutely, right? and I'm not. So, I'm not so this, is, this is what I'm saying. It's very very difficult to project the future with this football team because nobody saw that coming last night, right? I mean, the consensus largely was this is going to be a car crash, right? Nobody saw United come and put because it, it, there would be no evidence that they cared. We, they surrendered twice against Liverpool last season. They've done the same against City twice last season. And so it wasn't Ten Hag I was judging. 
it was the comment that Roy Keane echoed his sentiment, leopards don't change their spots, right? And United were sitting in that position for a reason, and most of those reasons still exist, right? So, you know, I think as great as his last night was, you know, one of the things that can't happen is now people going, ah, oh, we're back, so we'll just go oh, back to the way not. it was. So I'm now not, not the, to get complacent. Yeah, so the thing is, um, you know, as important as that was last night, you know, Liverpool conceded two against Palace. Liverpool conceded two against Fulham. Right? And United almost gave them another two-each draw. Right? Very, 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 very close. So um, I think uh, it was great to see that last night. But as I pointed out before, United did this against City and then lost to Sheffield United. So the, really, the night gets consistency because being consistent is hard. And, and to be consistent requires massive change. It requires change in how you live, change in how you think. These are the very difficult changes. Anyone's had New Year's resolutions will know this, right? To turn bad habits into good habits takes a lot of work. There's going to be bumps in the road, but there's lots of reasons to be optimistic. Um, you know, if they can bring in, like I said, a couple more signings that supplement that, that don't just supplement the squad, that make fundamental changes to the squad that are first team players. And one of the reasons why I like Casemiro, United have signed potential so many times it never gets realized. They've signed young players and it just never happens. United need Mr. Right now, not Mr. Right. They need a guy that's going to come in, that hit the ground running, that's going to bring experience, bring leadership to the team, that's going to bring a, a winning mentality to the team. And I think that is really, really important. Not a young player that needs to be developed into the squad. Might be good two, three years from now. You need to need this right now. He's got that nasty streak about him. And to be honest with Casemiro, people again will probably blast me for this, but it unlock something with Fred because Fred plays with Casemiro with Brazil and Fred starts every game for Brazil, right? Fred and McTominay don't work together. What's to say Fred and Casemiro can't work together? You know, th this could mean Fred, Fred has to do a lot of the dirty work whenever he's he's in a team with McTominay, right? If Casemiro's doing all that dirty work and Fred can play his game, we could be on to something there as well. And I'm not saying that Fred's going to start every week with him, but it's a good option to have. And it's an option, obviously, that Casemiro's used to as well, playing at Brazil with him. So there's so many different opportunities. I do definitely think we need a right back. I would love another centre midfielder. I don't know if we'll get it. And I think definitely we need a striker because it looks as if Ronaldo could be on the way out. Well, Ronaldo has to leave. I mean, the, the, it's completely untenable at the moment. And I can't because you need to keep seeing contrast with an, without Ronaldo. And without Ronaldo, always seems to be significantly better. I mean, we look at preseason. People wrote that 4 0 off against Liverpool in preseason. You might have just done them again. Right? And all of this was without Ronaldo. As soon as Ronaldo comes back into the team, whether this is right or wrong, and I'm not saying it's right that players should be so intimidated by one guy. They need to grow enough balls and personality to say, well, you're one guy, right? Um, and maybe there's a legitimate question mark about the strength of character of United you know, players that are that one player bully the entire dressing room. Um, but you can't have somebody that's completely above any type of rules inside the football club. And this is also a fight against Joe Glazer, who's desperate to keep him for all the wrong reasons. This is where the club needs to bend to Ten Hag's will, not the will of the commercial department, not the will of people who are wanting to keep him for non-football reasons. I also think it's very telling that any other football club that has similar ambition to United don't want him. <clears throat> I 
I have to admit here, I, I'm a self-proclaimed Ronaldo fanboy, and I think at times on this on this podcast, I've came across that way in terms of it's always been, no, Ronaldo's going to do it. No, there's good last, arguments to keep. That, I mean, there's last other arguments too. I get that, man. Totally. There, there is arguments to keep. But at, the end of, at the end of the day, we can't get rid of him without a ready-made replacement. It's as simple as that. Agree. if we're going to get rid of him, we need someone for the here and now, not someone in the future. But what I will say on Ronaldo is it's evident that last night we played better without him. However, that's a game where Ronaldo isn't going to impact like he used to because he's not set up to play that way with Ten Hag. So it's just not going to work, mm. Ronaldo, in that system. What will work, however, is games like Southampton next weekend when we'll probably have the land share of possession and Ronaldo is then going to impact the game. And that's a game I think Ronaldo will play in. So if Ten Hag has got Ronaldo on side to say, like Ten Hag said in his interview last night, and he didn't have to say this with Sky that, Ronaldo's telling him something completely different. He didn't have to say that. Sky asked him why why Ronaldo wants out. And he said, well, look, Cristiano's telling me something completely different. Ronaldo has come out and said within two weeks. I think it's a whole drama around Ronaldo that affects things. Obviously, if, if, if he is affecting the squad in ways that we don't know because we haven't got that inside knowledge mm-hmm. in training, things like that, then yes, get, get rid of him. And it pains me to say that because I love Ronaldo more than any other United player that's ever played for United. And I will do because of what he's done for the club. That's just me speaking honestly about the situation. But to be honest, looking at last night, in my opinion, it probably is time. I can't believe I'm saying this because I've never been on that side of it. But it is time to let him go. But we need someone. And there isn't that many strikers out there. And what are we, eight days away from the end of the window? Is there an opportunity to get someone in in that time frame? Probably not. Well, they, they have to. I mean, bottom line, I think what will happen is they'll probably end up putting Rashford in the middle. I mean, we know that they're the Anthony thing. We'll get into transfers on this podcast here in a, in, in a few. Um, but um, obviously, they're pushing very hard for Anthony. I think they'll get Anthony now. Uh, the player usually gets his way. Um, we could talk about that in a bit. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I completely agree with you. They need to replace Ronaldo down the middle. But I don't think they'll replace him. I think they need to replace him with the type of player that they want. Because, look, if you look at one of United's biggest problems, it's without the ball. There's no question. And so, you, what does he give you without the ball? You're essentially playing with 10 men without the ball. That drags other players out of position. That has a really difficult thing to do with the press. Right? <clears throat> um, I think for Ronaldo, it's not good to be sitting on the bench at United. I don't think his legacy would be affected if he walked out and left. I think we've seen this where, as Andy Mitten quite rightly said in his podcast, we've seen George Best do this. You know, Dennis Law went to City. You know, of course, we know where his goal at Old Trafford um, didn't send United down. United would have went down anyway. But, um, <clears throat> you know, but these are players whose legacy are secure. Two of them have statues at Old Trafford. And I think eventually that what happened with Ronaldo on the way out will be forgotten. And, um, over time, it will, will be remembered as all of the great things that he did at United. I mean, <clears throat> and I'm not saying he doesn't have good reason for feeling certain the, the certain ways that he does. Uh, the club certainly haven't been behaving per- perfectly towards Ronaldo. That's without a doubt. Uh, but winning changes everything. It changes the atmosphere inside the football club. It changes the mood. It changes confidence. It changes the players buy-in to what the club are trying to do, it changes everything. And so I sincerely hope that what we saw last night, even if United can't build off a win to Liverpool, we are in serious, serious trouble. Right? I if think I think we will. I, I well Southampton's a bit of a weird game. Southampton took your your points off City last season mm-hmm. twice. 
and they're they seem to do well against bigger teams. Uh, I know United beat them 9 0 two seasons ago, um, whenever the player sent off that game. But it's a really weird game, and they typically draw this game, and they always get it in the first month of the season. Um, if they can go to win, if they go away, win Southampton and play similarly the way they played it, because if they if they if they match that intensity and aggression, one of the things most sense I despise the most about in football that's repeated ad nauseum is you have to earn a right to play. But there's truth to that, right? Before talent shows up. All the other things have to be present. You have to have desire. You have to have hunger. You have to have want to win, will to win. You have to have all these things. And when you match another team's intangibles, then that's when talent shows. I think these next few games are vital. I think we've got what Leicester away. We've got Southampton away, Leicester away, Arsenal at home, Palace away, something along those lines. They're tough games. There's not one game there where you're guaranteed three points. They're all tough games. So I think it's going to be evident after these games if we have turned the corner or not. Obviously, there's a lot of building to do. We're still expecting signings to come in, probably expecting people to leave. Ten Hag's got a, a job to do still before the end of this window in terms of uniting that squad. Because yes, last night was all, all well and good, but it doesn't take away the fact that in the last two weeks it doesn't take away the fact of all the things that we've been hearing about you know, rumours in, in the papers about things going on in training and different things. So he has to get that harmony in amongst the squad. And obviously, if Ronaldo's a big part of that, then yeah, let's get him out before the end of the window. But what I wanted to ask was, where does he go? Because we had this argument a few weeks ago, and my argument was that any big team would take him. Quite evident that was wrong because no one, no one wants him. So where does he go? Well, this is the question. And this is why I don't understand his, his whole attitude, because surely you figure that out before you walk in and say, I'm leaving. I mean, very few people walk in and hand in a notice before they've got another job to go to for obvious reasons. Except Ronaldo doesn't need the money, but his ego needs that. So, you know, it, it's totally bizarre. But like I was saying, there, there, there's a wonderful clip from Neil Warnock, you know, and, and to me it embodies everything. I would say... It's a lot of bollocks. You have to die to get three points. And that intensity that we saw last night was evidence of that. If you know, can bring that to Southampton and Leicester, they'll beat those teams because they're individually better, right? But why they were losing those games um, was because they didn't bring any of that. Plus, I agree with you that I think a back two of Sandra Martinez and, uh, and uh, Varane is a much better centre-back player than Maguire. And, and anyone else. And, and that brings confidence in the team, same with Malassi and everywhere, everywhere else. I, I expect, the good thing about this is, if Maguire or Shaw want to get back into that team, they're going to have to be significantly better. Right? They have to be a much better version of what they currently are to get back in the team. And that goes for anybody. And I think that for Ten Hag, it is so important when you can leave out someone like Ronaldo to say, the rules apply to him in the same way they're going to apply to you and everyone else. And I think uh, it's all uh, that's where Ten Hag has, or Ronaldo has some value in the sense that you can use it as an example to the rest of the dressing room that the, what, what club existed last season won't exist this season, but the things that existed last season are gone. But I, I think there's, there's still a problem here because Maguire's the club captain, mm. right? Is it better that we just wash our hands? I still think there's a player in there. I've said it. I still think there's a, there's a chance that there's a player in there somewhere. And I think he does need to kick up the arse. Maybe this is a kick up the arse he needs. But he's the captain of the football club. He can't be sitting on the bench every week. Doesn't if I was him, way. I would go to Chelsea. 
James is no, absolutely, and I, I think, I think he would be good at Chelsea. But what I'm saying is, is that if he doesn't, does he then become a problem on the bench every week? A back three suits Maguire, in my opinion. I think a back three at United, it could happen this season, and that him, Varane, and Martinez could be great together. We don't know. We haven't seen it, right? Maybe, maybe yeah. it works the opposite way. But Maguire on the bench as club captain, it doesn't really work. So Ten Hag's got a decision there. Like, I mean. We're letting Bailly go out on loan with an option to buy now. If if we are going to get rid, rid of Harry Maguire, it leaves us short again at the back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I then you have to go out and send another centre-back because you've only got Lindelof as backup, mm-hmm. really. No, I agree. They would have to do something there. Uh, <clears throat> but um, moving on to some other sentence, uh, Anthony, which is uh, truly bizarre. So I spoke to someone at United... Uh, four or five weeks ago about Anthony and was asking, you know, what, what what's going on. And uh, the message was, and of course this was given to a number of journalists, um, <clears throat> Anthony is way overpriced at 80 million. We're not going to pay that. The only way we would go back in for him is if the De Jong deal collapsed. Okay. But they're still in for De Jong. And they're now willing to pay more for Anthony now than what they were willing to pay six weeks ago when they said he was overpriced. I mean, go work at it. Well, work, work at it. What's going to happen there? Because well, obviously it's, it's the, almost it's, certainly going to get a move to United. I mean, that's the. I mean, that's not based on any inside information. That's based on the obvious. I mean, the, yeah. I, uh, what what you have to be careful with? Do they ruin a relationship with Ajax? I don't think so. I think that if you get first of all, if you can get that type of money for a player in your division, you'd be insane not to take it. Two, there's no other club in for him that's offering that type of price. If Ajax don't accept that offer this summer, that offer will not be there next summer, and they're not getting another club knocking the door. I don't care if Anthony scores a hundred goals a season; they're not getting another club coming to their division saying, "Here's nearly a hundred million for one of your players." Definitely not. And I, f- I feel like we should, we should go out and sign Anthony based on the fact that it looks as if it's going to happen as well. But he does look like he's a good player. He's someone that can come in off the left. We need that, right? Give give them a Langa for a season. Let him go play in the Eredivisie for, for one year. It'd be mm-hmm. good for his development. We've seen last night that he, he, he shows glimpses. He's not consistent enough, but he shows glimpses. I know he gets hooked at half-time last night, but for me, it was between him and Riceford at half-time. To be honest, I wasn't too sure who was going to get whipped off. I knew it would be one of them. And Rashford missed the chance. Alanga missed the chance. One off the post as well. Obviously, Alanga needs a bit of first team football. He needs it for a season. So why not send him to the Eredivisie? Take take Anthony back. Keep that relationship with Ajax. I don't think it will break down a relationship with Ajax. If I'm honest with you, I just can't see that being an issue. No, I, I know. I thought about that, and I'm like, look, you're not sending him on a free. You're still getting close to a hundred million, and like we don't know the fee. You know, the fee's going to be at least eighty million, and We've talked about this before. The two most expensive players to leave there are Devizier, Dilip, and Dion, neither of whom have exceeded the value as which they were sold for. And so I think uh, for Ajax, if you, I don't care what player you have, if you get offered around 80 million for a footballer, that is your ceiling. Now, you can get more if you've got a whole bunch of football clubs interested, but no one else is, is putting that money on the table. And this is where sometimes I feel like you need to be better at some of the some of the dark arts of transfer, some of the nastiness of transfer, some of the... You know, you take a look at how Real Madrid got Luis Figo. You know, and sometimes you need to be better about things like that and stop being too nice in the market and stop trying to respect this, respect that, respect this, respect that. You know, you, the, 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 I would like to see United 
turn around to Ajax. If I mean, if this was in reverse, I mean, uh, and you only have one club interested in a player that's desperately wanted to leave, they would be offering derisory prices because United now have Ajax where they want them. You know, can they keep a player that's not showing up for training? I don't think that's particularly great either. But um, um, Anthony, I'm sure, has an agreement with Ajax that he would let go for a certain price that United have clearly met. I, I would be amazed if that deal doesn't happen. I uh, am a big fan of Brazilians, to be fair. So, obviously, the more the merrier at United. But with... What type of Brazilian? Oh, here, you know exactly what I'm talking about, mate. Um, obviously, obviously, with with this happening, does that then mean Gakpo doesn't happen, or does Gakpo still happen? Because in my in my opinion, it looks as if we're going to sign both of them. From from what we're reading again, this isn't anything like behind the scenes that we've heard or anything. It's just based on what we're hearing. It looks like we might sign Gakpo as well. Does that tell you maybe one of well, the strikers that we've got at the moment is going to go? They're in for these both of them. Players? They're in for both, and why they'll sign both of them or not? Is another thing, and it's possible they're working on another kind of and again, which is another reason why I actually be spooked because, um, they could get Gakpo, you know. And I I don't watch Eredivisie, mate, so I'm not qualified to make an opinion on who's better, who's not. But I'll tell you what I do trust, especially after last night. I trust Ten Hag's opinion on players. So if Ten Hag rates him, it really doesn't matter what I think. And if, if he something changed inside that football club, now we've talked about this in the podcast before. I know for a fact. Um, let me say, let me phrase this properly. What I was given by multiple different sources last week, and I will stand by this to my grave, that there was no other conclusion to come to that United were not soliciting offers for their football club um, in many different ways. Now I have no doubt that if you offered the Glazers a couple of hundred million. To stay at the foot and they could stay at the football club, they'd take it before they'd sell it. No doubt, right? But, um, you know, so and, and obviously, a sale's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take, but then I, I have to play devil's advocate here because we've heard of all the speculation. We've heard Jim Ratcliffe come out and say that he wants mm. to buy the football club. Is that why we're now seeing this injection of cash from the Glazers? Is that why? Is that them trying to cover a game paper over the cracks? Here, here's a few quid, Ten Hag. I, I don't think so. Because I just don't Why think that's how so they think. I know. And, and if you had that money to spend a month ago, the prudent thing to do it would have been to spend it then. Right? And if you didn't have it, I understood. They clearly didn't have this money a month ago. The Glazers are confident that there's going to be a return on that. Every, everything they put into Manchester <laughs> is based on a potential return. Right? That's why they buy young. Okay, because in the hope that they can develop that talent to sell them for more money. That's why they don't like players leaving on free, why they'll extend their contract ad nauseum. There's nothing that they give United where they don't expect a return, right? And I'm talking about allocating their own resources. Um, but if, so, if they're, sorry, I, I'm obviously just playing from the outside, don't understand the business sense, right? For people listening that don't understand the business sense, this is a question they'll ask. If the Glazers, like you said, you said last week there's a good chance we're we're sold by Christmas, right? Because of this whole windfall tax. Why would you inject money into the club that you didn't inject six weeks ago, whenever we needed it most? But now that there's a bit of pressure on you, you're injecting it. Why? Well, I mean, look, there's a couple of things. First of all, they have to sustain their asset. That's undoubtable, right? Secondly, 
we don't know what conversations were had behind the scenes with threats of quit and everything else of serious investment doesn't mean how badly that would devalue an asset um i know we laugh about relegation but the fact of the matter is it's not unreasonable to look at your last 20 games and to look at your first two of the premier league which were an utter catastrophe and say this has to be a because i can tell you right now anyone that would be investing in united would be taking that seriously it would be an idiot not to I mean, I, I use Everton as an example. You'd be an idiot not to assume that that's a potential threat. Okay? So there has to... But but I agree that this is more than sustaining an asset. Sustaining an asset is letting United spend... You know, for, I, I always said they would spend no matter what happens. Yeah. Right? But, but you're talking upwards of what? We've, we've just spent 60, 70 million on Casemiro. They're talking about Anthony. They're talking about these other players. You're talking upwards of 200 million at a point of the summer where we're almost done. And it's only because there's been a bit of pressure and a bit of yeah. noise that there's someone else interested in the club. Well, it doesn't add up to me. That's it's definitely a reaction to something that happened last week. <clears throat> definitely. There's no question about that. Um, and so um, a lot of this will come out eventually in the United accounts and what have you. But there's, seriously a, there's obviously a conflict from the Glazers that that money is going to be recovered. It's just how they do business right? and how they've always done business in United. They're not benevolent people. So... Uh, Anyway, um, the fact that, you know, they, the conversations that United were having two weeks ago are completely different to the ones they're having now. Completely different. What I mean, there's a, a confidence and a brightness that wasn't there two weeks ago in the market. And again, if you're sitting with that money in June, you spend it then, now prices are inflated. They could have got Anthony for cheaper a month ago, but couldn't couldn't spend that money. And whatever player they go in for now will we'll have an inflated price tag. It makes no sense. Ten Hogs talked about how important it was to get those players in at the start of the season. What did he say prior to the uh, Brighton game? How important it was to get a forward in? Right? It was vital, in his words. We still don't have that forward. Right? If you had the money to spend, that was the time to do it, not now. Now, it's great that eventually it's happening, but it's clearly a reaction. I would say the protests were a factor, but also they have to have confidence that they're getting that money back or they wouldn't spend it. Right? That's just how they look at it, any type of expenditure. Uh, now, they haven't got money back in every piece of expenditure, but that wasn't the, the design. The design was we need to, we're going to buy young so we can develop and sell. But... Um, you know, Casemiro is. The, I mean, I'm not going to bring up the Tiago Alcantara thing because I've done it to death. But it's a complete contradiction to their own policies that they've strictly adhered to. And I also thought it was extremely telling that United did comment last week on the fact that they would not sell off future revenues for immediate investment, but didn't comment on anything else. Didn't comment on sale rumors, potential sale rumors. I would imagine. There's legal jeopardy of saying you're not embarking on those uh, objectives. You're not trying to sell a club. You're not trying to get investment when you actually are. So no comment to me is equivalent of a confession. Well, then it's positive news, obviously, if, if that's the case. And obviously you've broken down away in layman's terms or that I understand it because from a business side of thing, I, I'm I'm not up to speed as to what you would be on it. But obviously, if it looks like we're going, this is all stuff that's been given to me by people who do work in the industry. If if it looks like we're going to be sold by January, then great, and hopefully then they continue to spend over the next month because or over the next week because my 
my worry was that there would be no spending and we would go into the season with that squad. Obviously, we haven't now with St. Casemiro, but that would have been a big worry, in my opinion. Well, there was massive <clears throat> issues after Brentford, right? And so, I don't know, maybe there was a threat from Ten Hag to walk if the sentence weren't made, which would have been an absolute catastrophe if you needed for that to happen. I don't know, but clearly there was a huge reaction to after Brentford, which there needed to be. Um, I also concede the fact that as much as the Glazers are a problem, players have to take responsibility to you on the pitch, right? And so I know they're the bogeyman, and rightfully so, and they're by far the biggest problem at the club, and they're the, the, every problem at the club, the antecedent is the Glazers, there's no question about that. But... You know, there's other people have to take responsibility too. Um, let's talk about uh, obviously uh, Frankie De Jong. You know, they're still in for him. He had a poor game at the weekend, by the way. Take um, the ball away, give the ball away for a goal. Yeah. And I would imagine none of this is helping him mentally. Um, Barcelona still haven't sold anyone; they won't need to. Uh, it would be absolutely astonishing. If United were to go out and send Frankie Dion, Anthony, Casemiro, it would just be absolutely astonishing. That midfield would be unbelievable of Casemiro and Dion. I seen Frankie Dion liked it on on Instagram. Don't know well, how true I, that was. Don't know how true that was. But if it was, it's adding fuel to the fire. Obviously, um, what a signing he would be if if it does happen. Obviously, at the start of the window, me and you were both, from what we were hearing, quite confident Dion was going to sign. And then kind of it's it's changed since. But with the Casemiro signing, in my opinion, I don't think we will go out and sign Frank Young. We still do need a centre midfielder though. Um another midfielder to shore up the midfield, but that may come in January. And I think with with Fred McTominay, Casemiro, Ericsson, we've we've got options there in midfield, so they might not sign another midfielder, in my opinion. I still think they badly need one. And I think we it do. would be a mistake to look at Liverpool yesterday and think all our problems are solved and that um, we're not going to run into the same problems. I think yeah. that is the problem that United have always faced in the past. They finish second, take the foot off the pedal. Oh, we don't need to go out and do this. We don't need to go out and do that. We just need to go out and do the bare minimum because we're, we're magic. And then all of a sudden they find out that the foundations they built on have crumbled. So I think it would be a massive mistake. I think what you need to, need to do is look at that Liverpool game right now, see the potential and say, back this man 100% because this is how good it can be. And if you're internal, if you're the Glazers, you, you don't depease fans even with signings because the, the you know the happiness comes from the first derivative. As soon as you get a sign and you're happy, but after that, the next day or the day after, the happiness from that is gone. So now that really comes from results. It's the only way to appease fans, really, right? Not from signings. So um, and those are the hardest things to deliver in the game without a proper structure. Other so, than the young though. If if we can't secure the young, which which looks like it's going to be tough in any event to get him, who else is there out there that that, that looks as if we'll be able to sign? Because we've spoke about it before, before Ruben. Well, let me ask you, Esme, would you have expected Casemiro after Monday? Absolutely not. So, so, so the, the, the the potential that they do deserve, don't if you really want them. But I but I think the bigger question is who. Is it identical to the only United could sign? You know, what player is exactly like him? And really, that's up to the scouting department to identify. Because if they've turned around after a year or two years, which is, a, you know, we've known United needed this player for a long, long time. Calm, right? I mean, even going back to Solskjaer, 
it would be really uh, astonishing if United sat there for a year and said the only player we can come up with is the one that Earl Ten Hag come up with, which is Frankie De Jong. Surely they've identified all their players. But everything with United is linked to the media. Now, Casemiro wasn't until close to the end, but we haven't heard of, of any rumours of any anyone else, which is always worrying because it looks as if maybe there's not. I know sometimes these things happen, like Casemiro, it just happens quite quickly. But I, I don't know. There's just something telling me that we're not going to sign another midfielder. I don't know what it is. I just think with signing Casemiro, if the Glazers are going to go, you know, we're happy enough there with... Uh, with restructured the midfield there. There's Casemiro. Live with it until January and then you can get someone else now. That's the way it's going to work. Well, I, I don't see them going out in January and spending big money on the midfield there. I would say that would be the following season well, if they definitely don't do it all. But, um, you know, so look, you know, I, I still think they will go out and send another midfielder because that is fundamental to what Ten Hag badly needs. I also think if Jude Bellingham becomes available even a year oh. from now, United cannot let him go to Liverpool or City. They cannot. They need to be on that night. I think ultimately he will. He will go to Liverpool or City. In my opinion, again, I think we'll miss out on him. I, I hope we don't. I think we should break the bank and sign him if he does become available at some point. But again, this is a missed opportunity that we had a couple of years ago. Whenever he signed for for Dortmund, we could have him then, and we didn't. We didn't move on it. So I don't know. Yeah, well, we'll tell you what, why don't we get to some questions, mate? Um, do you yep. have a, a tweet up there? And we'll Let's, get to some of them. We'll, okay. get the, we'll, we'll address some of the comments on the set. And I'm taking yeah. some horrendous abuse here. And I'm, 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 I'm raising down names here. I'm telling you, maybe I'll check onto your car for something ticking. Um, da, 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 da. Be my life alert. Let me see. What impact. Well, yesterday's game have it was a fantastic protest, but the Glazers will feed off that result, and mm. that's from the real doily. Look, where it will have an impact, in my opinion, we talked about how disastrous Brantford was the United's recruitment because people watch that and go, "Oh my God, I'm not going near that football club." But if you're a pretend, you're a player that's wanted by Manchester United, and you look at what happened yesterday against Liverpool, look at the atmosphere. That's something you want to be part of. It's imperative that you have belief surrounding Ten Hag from not just internal, but external. So I think um, it's really, really important in terms of changing the perception that things have changed at Manchester United. It wasn't a win against Norwich. It wasn't the win, you know, against, uh, you know, lower. That, that result yesterday was more important than a win against Brentford. You know, had United have been beaten by Liverpool, but beat Brentford, They've done nothing to change the narrative that things are changed in Seattle Trafford, but that win was very important. Sean Webb's asked, do you think Solskjaer wanted to play Henderson last year, but was told he had to play De Gea because of his wages? First of all, I don't think that Henderson's no. the answer. Um, a lot of people have seen a smokescreen. He's had a, a good game there for Forest, and people think it's all it's all rosy and he should be playing. I don't rate him, to be honest. I don't think he's a United keeper. He's an average keeper in the Premier League. He'll, he'll do well at a team like Forest, but for at a team like United, no, I don't think he does it. But I think that's it. No, I can't see that being an issue with his wages last season. I would agree with you, mate. I think he's a good Premier League goalkeeper. Great. Is he a complete contrast to the hair? I don't think so. I think uh, United need a solution to that problem, but I don't think it's Dean Henderson. Andy Warner said, do you know anything more than the last podcast with Colm you done on the ownerships or is it still hush-hush? Well, I mean, it's been mentioned here and I had this confirmed by again, 
you know, if you want to attack what I'm saying, please understand I know nothing about finance and this is stuff that I was given to me by people who do. And I asked this question to an individual who covers this for a living. Are you needed obligated to come out and deny these rumours if they're not true? And the answer to me was yes, absolutely needed or legally required to come out and issue a statement like they've done in the past. And again, to me, you couldn't get a comment from United on any of this, but you could get a comment about other methods of financing that they clearly are not going to exercise. So to me, you can read into that what you want. Abdul has said the comments are all filled with the young questions, but have you heard anything on a right back in regards to Dumfries, Vanderson or Gusto? I haven't heard anything in regards to a specific name. Um, I know that uh, Palace have been in for Wambasaka. Um, you know, weren't or see again. This is a part of what make, makes everything so confusing. United didn't want to let um, Wan go on loan because it would leave them short, and obviously that leaves them bereft of a transfer fee that they would need to go out and replace. And now, all of a sudden, a fresh for cash right, that they they had thirty million in the bank a week ago. Um, <clears throat> so. Now they're behaving like they've activated more financial levers than Barcelona and they've got all this money and they don't know where to spend it. So if you'd asked me this a week ago, I'd have said there's no way you know, they will send it right back given their other needs and how they're spreading out that budget. But now it, it's a very distinct possibility. Um, Said said, if Ronaldo doesn't get the move and stays, will he disrupt the mood around the camp or will he accept not being a mainstay, mainstay in the first eleven? He has no choice. So his choices, Ronaldo's choices are one of two things. Retire. Cancel your contract at United and walk away. Which is a positive. I don't know if he'd retire, but I, I would imagine he'd find a way to buy himself out of that contract. Or to accept the situation. Uh, his clout in that dressing room will be significantly diminished with United winning without him. And with the fact that he can't get another football club. Right? So... Um, I think uh, for Ronaldo, this was really badly, poorly advised and how he went about this. There's uh, another question here from uh, a peanut 20. He says, uh, it seems like we're targeting Anthony Gagbo, Kevin Trapp and Sergino Dest. If we do sign those four players, what would that mean for the top four race? In my opinion, mm. I think the top four is definitely attainable this season. I know people will think, well, the first two games of the season don't show that. But if we can play like we played last night throughout this season, we'll have no problem making that top four. I think Ten Hag has showed that his coaching ability and what he offers us is different to what we had before. And I think there's so much positivity around that camp at the moment after that win last night that it'll breed in the next week and, and the week on and following mm. on from that. So I hope it is it is a positive and we, we can push for top four this year. I don't think it's too far out, out of the realms of possibility, to be honest. I think this weekend will tell a lot about how authentic this turnaround is. Um, because if you know you can go out and do exactly the same against Southampton, uh, a game that will not have the same intensity, same everything that Liverpool had, um, then I think... You, we can start to trust this team a bit more. And it's always been a problem with, you know, can you trust them? You know, they've seduced us before with big wins and gone out and fallen flat the following week. If Ten Hag was to get those players, it would be a massive failure not to finish top four. And it's a truly really reasonable expectation 
that, hey, you've been given the tools you need, and he's acknowledged himself. You have to also win right away, right? You don't have to win every week, but you need to win right away. So finishing outside the top four for Ten Hag, if he gets those players, um, would not be acceptable. Uh, last one. Bale's left foot, JC Real said, what do you make of Simon Jordan attacking Ten Hag's appearance? Well, I've touched on this, man. We would never allow this type of commentary about other human beings, and rightly so. Right? If, any, if, if we stood up there about the women's England manager and attacked her appearance and attacked her language and attacked her clothes and attacked all, you would get slaughtered, and rightly so. You've got Luke Chadwick releasing uh, articles about how being abused and having his looks mocked wrecked his mental health. Make no mistake about it. That will be true for a thousand million other players. He and Day, someone he knew well. And this is totally unacceptable in today's parents. This, this, uh, this is totally unacceptable parents today. This is totally unacceptable. And this is the disgraceful double standard because these are a lot of the same people who will be talking about mental health and talking about how disgraceful it is. We talk about other people this way. I dare them. This happened. Unai Emery had his accent marked. I'm a foreigner who lives abroad. And I can tell you, one of the most hurtful things you can do is to mock someone's accent and their speech. Right? It infuriates me. In fact, it makes me have to put my fucking fist through someone's face when they do it. Right? Because it reeks of bigotry. Right? And don't tell me that we can't, if, if we can't attack, and we should never attack someone's appearance. This is personal. If I was to call into TalkSport and say, Simon, I don't like your glasses, and I don't like how your suit fits, and I don't like your demeanor, and I don't like your... That's personal. It has nothing let's, to do with this job. Let's, by, by the way, let me finish on this, mate, because this is important. My father-in-law's from Amsterdam, right? They don't think he lacks charisma. They don't think he has a problem with his speech. They don't think he has a problem with his demeanor. That's all in the eye of the beholder. I dare them. Let's uh, let's if if someone watching this can clip it, and we'll send this. Simon Jordan, come on this podcast next week. Let's have a chat with me and Phil. Would enjoy that. I do, I do, mate. I do. No, I, I, I want to hear what he has to say. I want him to apologize on the platform that he abused Ten Hag on. Go up there and turn around and say, do you know what? Everything I just said about <clears throat> Eric Ten Hag, I could not say about other people. Right? Absolutely unacceptable. Apologize on the platform you abused him on. Right? Just like. If Simon Jordan, if people were perpetuating that about him, about his appearance, which has got nothing to do with the man's job, about his clothes, got nothing to do with the man's job. Alison Rudd doesn't think he has charisma, whatever that means. You know, Alison Rudd, I, mean, I could say equally the same about her, right? Um, these are, this is performing. He's not, uh, he's not trying to get, uh, you know, to, to go on Love Island. He's a fucking football manager. Did you say about Roy Hodgson? Did Roy Hodgson lack charisma? Did Roy Hodgson, what about his clothes? What about his appearance? Totally unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable in every single sense. And this bothers me because I'm a massive advocate of mental health. And there's no question, there's a direct correlation between people's appearance being mocked and abused on social media and their mental health. This is a disgrace, quite frankly. And Simon Jordan needs to apologize for that type of stuff because you see that type of commentary, mate. We can't, if you genuinely care about the issue, you care about it when it's applied to everybody, not just when it's applied to some people. Because if you care about who it happens to, not the fact that it happens, and you don't care about the issue, right? So 
we have to be consistent on this. This is totally unacceptable. Men are not fair game for this, right? And please treat all human beings with the same degree of respect and sensitivity. Passionate from Fowler, folks. Love it. Mate, this um, bothers me. It's totally unacceptable. We've all been victims of people turning around on social media and saying something completely despicable. I'm a human being. I've been hurt by stupid comments that have said about me online. Right? And I and I and, and it's just a <clears throat> tiny fraction. This man, you're seriously going to mock his language? Are you serious? In today's world, you want to turn around and mock this guy because he has a, a his lexicon isn't as expansive as yours, Allison, right? Now, if we turned around right. and said that about Jill Scott, right? I watch foreign football every week. Spanish, I want a Zavi interviewed, perfect English, right? Lewandowski, perfect English. How many English managers could turn around and do a perfect interview in Spanish? How many English players right, or British players, Irish players, whatever, Scottish players could do the same in reverse? And we're going to mock that? Simon Jordan. I want them on the pod. You might not, but I want, I'll speak to him. Get him on. I know his people. So let's tag, let's tag him. Get him on. I'd love to, I'd love to talk to him about this issue as well. See what he has to say. I don't want to beat him on. For, I personally don't care, quite frankly. I don't want to give a platform because if you want to come on and defend that, I have no interest in that. If that's what He's you not going to be able to defend it, though. Well, then have him apologize first on the platform he, 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 he espoused those views on. I agree with you. I'm with you. First of all, if you run a business and you choose not to hire somebody on those metrics, well, your accent's a bit weird. Don't like your clothes. No, don't like your, you know, your, your appearance. You get dragged into a, 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 a labor court for that. That's against sure. the law. You're not even allowed to ask someone's age. Right? There's a woman right in Ireland, I read it this week, successfully sued a potential employer for asking her age in an interview. Got four million. Wow. Right? So here's the thing, mate. These despicable metrics these have got nothing to do with the man's job or his ability to do the man's job but it once again illustrates just how vituperative people are towards manchester united and how angry they are towards manchester united being successful right and this is one of the things that i love but simon jordan owes eric tanhagen so does allison rudd by the way a serious apology for quite frankly extremely disrespectful comments that would not be tolerated in reverse and rightly so it's true <clears throat> Passionate, mate. Um, it, it, mate, you know what it is? I would be equally outraged if they were to sit there and say that about a woman. Because they'd be like, what no, relevance does this have to do with the job? Because I care about it no matter who it's applied to. What relevant? What, what do you get out of that? And why do you feel that's a, that that's perfectly acceptable commentary? Would Simon Jordan like that if people were to pick on him based on these things? It's totally ridiculous. Suppose people with, with not a lot to do make these type of comments, don't they? These what washed up failed football owner looking a few clickbait, so we'll have to give mm -hmm. them to him. Man's rapidly losing my respect that I once respected. Um, that I look at now and go, Is this what you do? Is this is you did you fall in love with yourself a bit too much? Or you think that I've got to say something for attention? Surely you don't truly believe that. By the way, uh I, I now, when I know why I had an issue, maybe maybe that's why I had an issue and I I don't know. Maybe. All right, we'll, well see. Mate. Folks, thanks Bye. as always for all the downloads, likes, retweets. Come on, leave it with you, mate. No say goodbye. Unreal. Thanks, William, people. Tune in again folks. next week. Much love. Take it easy. Be safe. <clears throat> see you later, mate.